like, can you hear me? This mic's up close enough. A little more, okay. I feel like uh, everyone else already did my job for me this morning, so that's pretty easy. Um, I hope everyone had a good holiday. I know some people got to travel and wish they were still on holiday. Um, hope everyone out there had a good holiday too. As we've already said before a couple times, this is the first week of Advent, uh, and it's the week of hope. And for some reason, I thought when Scott said, let's, let's do Advent, I thought I can talk about hope and then realize, what, why did I do that? <laughs> because I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure all of us can relate to this, but I think the last couple of years, it's harder than ever to be hopeful. And we don't need to go through a laundry list because we all know what those things are, but like whether it's COVID and feeling like it's going on forever, uh, the amount of people that are dying from COVID, the people's reaction to COVID. It's like every single thing has these layers to it, why it's hard to be hopeful. Uh, could be like our political climate and like increasingly unhinged politics becoming more and more mainstream. We, uh, the other day, I don't know where this came from, but in my kitchen, I looked down and there was a little flyer for someone that's running for something here in the city. I don't know what she's running for, but I just kind of looked State representative, okay. And I just kind of looked through her her list of her platform and it's like, it, it was not, it's hard to have hope looking at it because it, it was like really even extra hard because I think everything she said feels like a copy and paste of every single person currently running from this side of the political spectrum all saying the exact same things and they're like crazy. Like the first thing was, the very first thing on it was about how she's running to stop the socialist government of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And like, I understand not liking, but like, the only world in which Joe Biden is a socialist is in a world of unhinged politics. You can have problems with Joe Biden, he's not a socialist, by the definition, he's not a socialist. Uh, but that, that thing is becoming more mainstream. So it's like, again, hard to find hope. We are in a time where it's hard, hard to find hope. So why did I offer to talk about hope? I have no idea. Will I make us feel hopeful by the end? I don't know, I have no idea. I'll try. But also, like both Scott and Marianne have kind of brought this up this morning, we're in Advent, and one of the great things about Advent, I think that's like the perfect season for us to be in right now, because going back to the Christmas story until like leading up to it, the Jewish people are in exile for hundreds of years. Like hundreds, like, We've been in COVID for two years and it feels unbearable. This is like people who have been in exile for hundreds of years going all the way back to Babylon and you have like the accounts of Babylon, literally the, the Jewish people in their writings talk about them carrying them off on hooks. COVID sucks, it's horrible. We've not experienced enemies coming and dragging us away by hooks. So here are these people in like deep dire straits and asking like, where is God? When is he gonna do something? I think. Maybe someone will remember this. There's a prophet. I want to say it's Ezekiel, but I didn't look it up. But one of the prophets even looks and sees God's spirit leaves the temple. And that's like, as a Jewish person, it's like God's, God's spirit that is, dwells with us is gone. And they are looking forward like, like it, feels, it feels hopeless. So they are in a hopeless situation looking forward to like, when is God going to do something? I think that's really relevant to us because we are in a similar situation. Like, where is hope? I have no idea. Is there hope? Hopefully someday, we're looking forward to it. Um, so we're entering into that. Uh, and honestly, I don't have an answer about how to have hope or what to do, but I do think 
like a really obvious thing. And really, ultimately, I've been thinking about the Lord's Prayer a lot, so I think prayer is something that we can do. And going back to something Steve said, it's been a while now, but last time Steve talked that I remember, he talked about prayer. And just to sum up what he said, is like, why do we pray? Is like God only do good things when we ask him to do it? That's crazy. No. Maybe we pray because when we pray, we enter into things that other people are going through and we can help be the solution to that. We can help become, we can pray for God to act and we can help become, in some ways, part of how God solves that. So I just want to read through the Lord's Prayer and kind of offer some thoughts about it. And with that in mind, like this isn't just stuff, we, we are asking God to act, but also we can take part. We can start to birth these new things in our world, which I think really is like, we get to take part. Sometimes it's great. I think we all need hope, but also every other person needs hope so we can be hope for other people, which brings hopefully hope to us too. I don't know. Anyways, let's go. Let's just look at the Lord's Prayer. So the Lord's Prayer begins with our Father. And I think this is, uh, this is very important, I feel like, because this is not saying my Father. This is not like the father of my family. This is not only the father of like my group, people that think like me. This is our father. Like if there is a God and God exists and God created everything, that means he is the father of everyone. So we are like this, in this coming kingdom, we are all children of this family. And so I think what part of that means is that we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are supposed to be actively taking on things that separate us because there's not a hierarchy in the family of God. There's not some people who are better than others. There's not some people who have more than others. We are a family of God. We are like acting to bring down barriers. So that can be things like, it can be things like racial barriers between us. It can be things like economic barriers, class barriers, political, like what's a barrier between us right now as Americans? Political barriers. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that one. I have no idea how we do it. But there are political barriers between us right now. But there, that's not part of the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be working against that. Um, it can be things like actual barriers, geopolitical barriers that we put up between each other. These things like the coming kingdom, that's not what it's going to look like, so we can start working on that. I mean, that's like if you look at Israel being like the, the genesis of Israel, God looks at Abraham and says, I'm going to give you descendants. They're going to be as many as the stars, and I'm going to bless them. So God creates a people to bless, but that's not where the story ends. I'm going to bless them so they can bless the whole world, right? So as Christians, I think it's, that's something I know Marianne recently brought up, the centered and bounded set. I'm gonna ask Scott to kind of talk about that, and I didn't plan to say this, so now I'm just gonna butcher it probably. But I think that's a great, that's a great, like the idea of a centered and bounded set. As Christians, it's very, I think a lot of the, the thing a lot of us have inherited is that once we believe we are all of a sudden in, this, that's like there's a circle, there's the people who are in and the people who are out. And the in people, Usually that's who, that's our God, our, our way of life. This is the thing, we need to get people into our thing. But the idea of a, bound, of, a, of a centered set is the idea that God is in the center and everyone's kind of all around and it doesn't matter really where you are, but it's what direction are you going. So we learn to stop seeing ourselves as camps of either you're in or you're out, but we're all in this together and we all should be moving towards the center, I guess. That's like a really small, I think about that all the time. So anyways, I think that's helpful. Um, let's look. I took most of this. I'm just free freestyling, so I I took some <laughs> notes. But let's see. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Um, just a small note about heaven, and I think this is important because again, I think we 
we've probably all inherited this, and we probably all think about it in some ways still, but the Christianity that we've been given tends to think of heaven as the end goal. Heaven is where we go when we die. Heaven is the point of being Christian. The like flip side of that is it's like the reward, or it's like the, the escape of hell. It's the escape of punishment, and that's what heaven is in our minds, right? But in the prayer here, what does it say? Our Father in heaven. Heaven isn't talking about where we go when we die. Heaven is talking about literally it's where God is, where God lives, where he dwells, where his rule and his reign is perfectly extended. That's like what heaven is talking, and the Lord's Prayer, talking about heaven. It's about where God is. It's not about like, let's all, let's all leave and go to heaven. But actually, going to the next like bit of the prayer, it's the opposite. It says, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think this is like the defining prayer, the defining statement. This is like what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Like, this is it. God's kingdom is coming. We're asking for it to come on earth as it is in heaven. We can look forward to that, and we can start, like Marianne kind of brought it up earlier too, but it's like that idea of the already and the not yet. It's here. Jesus has come, but it's not here yet. We're still sitting here. We're like, we're feeling hopeless. We're looking towards Advent, towards Jesus coming. It's not here yet, but we can take part knowing that that is here and it is going to come in fullness. We can start to live in a way that is different, that starts to, to establish it here more and more. Um, I think I've said this probably like every single time I've spoke recently, but good news, right? Let's ever remember what good news comes from, what the term good news comes from. The word is evangelion, and evangelion is the term that translates the gospel, it's the good news, and literally what it is is when the Romans would go through and conquer a new place, they would send people out to herald the good news that Caesar's Lord, you're now under Roman occupation, that's good news for you. Usually it's not really good news. But to the Romans, it's great news for people. But they would send, they would send people and they'd go to these conquered people groups and say, oh, good news, you're part of the Roman Empire now and Caesar's in charge of you. Um, looking at the Christmas story, entering into that, you have a field and that's where the shepherds are and all of a sudden these angels show up and they, as the song says, hark the herald angel sings glory to the newborn king. So you have this thing in the story of the birth of Jesus is this idea that like literally it's like the angels, it's, it's taking these things that are all familiar with of Romans coming and conquering and saying like, look, heaven, the kingdom of heaven is now entering in and conquering earth. It is here, and actually, it's, it's good news because it's not Caesar. It doesn't look like Caesar. Like, again, like Marianne said, as you said, you did the job for me, but it looks like a baby who comes, and there's no room for him in an inn. He comes, and he's there. He's not conquering with power or anything. It's like this little lowly baby who pretty soon in the story is a refugee. This isn't through power. It's through something totally different. And if you are someone who has been conquered by power over and over again, it's really good news that there is something different, I I think. Um, the idea of a coming kingdom, though, I think this also, if there is established kingdoms or countries or governments on the earth at any point, and there's something new that comes and says, this is the real kingdom, that is a challenge to whatever is there. So it clashes with the things that exist already. Uh, and again, if you enter into the Christmas story, what happens when uh, Herod finds out that the king is coming? He decides the way to stop this is there's, there's going to be a baby king. Let's kill all of the male babies, because if I kill all of them, a king can't come. 
the idea of Jesus and the coming kingdom is a threat to the established order because it means that their time is, is at an end. So I think that it's important for us in the same way we have to be comfortable with critiquing the society and the way of life that we find ourselves in and challenging it when it behaves like the old ways of the world and works against the coming kingdom of God. The good news of the kingdom is that Caesar's not in charge. Caesar's not Lord, Jesus is Lord. It's that Biden isn't in charge. The way of Biden, his, his reign, his rules, his ideas, that's not what rules the world. Trump doesn't rule the world. Republicans don't rule the world. Democrats don't rule the world. There's something new. There is a new king, a new way of ordering the world, being born into this one and replacing the old way of things. It's good news because it elevates the lowly and brings down the lofty. It brings, again, like Marianne said, uh, I don't know what version you were reading, but, uh-huh, so like the Prince of Wholeness, because we all know, what is, what, what is, what are we used to, the Prince of Peace? But peace, the idea of shalom, really that's what it is. It's not just like absence of conflict. Shalom, peace, the Prince of Peace means that there is a wholeness coming. It is a, a, it's like an easy way to think about it is look back to the garden. It's like things working the way it's supposed to be. There is a wholeness that is being brought back to the world. Uh, so, the good news is, we all know Jesus already was born. This is already here. It's happened. It's not here yet all the way. We're still waiting. But in that waiting, in light of all this stuff, and like the birthing of a new kind of kingdom, I think it's really, I don't think obviously what comes next in this prayer like is the full definition of kingdom things, but I think it's really interesting what follows um, so the next thing is give us this day our daily bread. And we've probably all heard this, and it's really easy to be like, oh, just give me what I need for today, which I think is great. That's, what, that's a good thing. That's perfectly what it's there for. But it's like asking for God's provision. But I think it's like deeper than that. This like pretty obviously is looking back to the time, the Exodus story, and when the Jews are in uh, the desert wandering around, and they rely on God every day for manna, for God to provide them with their daily bread. Uh, and the flip side of this is not only is God going to provide, but there was a rule that what are you not allowed to do with the daily bread? You aren't allowed to take more than you need and hold on to it so other people can't have some. And if you do, it's going to go bad and you're just going to start over the next day anyways. So that's like part of this idea of giving, like asking God for provision is understanding that we just take what we need and we do not hoard things for ourselves. This is a like kingdom this is in the Lord's Prayer. This is like a radical thing, I think. This challenges not just our society, but most of society. I think like even human nature to a certain extent. This is like, that's not, our, that's not the way we're wired. We're wired like thinking like, oh, we have to survive, so we have to hoard things for ourselves. And this isn't an easy thing to like figure out in practice, but I do think that that is, that is like, here it is in the Lord's Prayer. Don't hoard things. This is something Molly and I were talking about the other day a little bit there are roughly 7.9 billion people in the world right now, which means that there are human beings alive that could give every single person on planet Earth a billion dollars and still be billionaires multiple times over, like hundreds of times over still. Every person on Earth, they could give a billion dollars. And still, so it's like, I know that there's, there's, complications to that, like if we give everyone a billion dollars, then a billion dollars means nothing, everything gets inflated. I know, so I don't know if there's like a perfect solution to this, but 
I am saying that there are things that exist, there are people who have so hoarded things that goes against this idea of giving our daily bread that they could end world hunger, they could do all of these things. So we should, as Christians, I don't think that we can vote in the kingdom of God. I don't think we can turn America or whatever the place we live into the kingdom of God, but I do think that we can have a say in making the world that we do live in look a little bit more like the kingdom of God. And part of the economics of the kingdom of God is the economics of just taking, taking what we need and leaving some. For, that's another thing I think it's in Leviticus where it talks about um, how they would have their fields and there was a portion of the field that was supposed to be left that they weren't supposed to harvest that was going to be left for widows, orphans, slaves, like whoever didn't have things. So like this, this economic of the kingdom is not about taking everything for ourselves, but it's also leaving things to provide for others. So next bit following that, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Uh, if I was to guess most of us, when we have thought about this for a long time, we think about it in personal sin, right? Like, I've sinned against God, so I ask God to forgive me of my sin, and then I will also forgive people who have like done things against me, which I think is true, that's great. Again, I think there's more to it. This, I think, pretty, again, clearly is referencing the idea of Jubilee. And this is like, I think, talk about something that challenges not just like our political structure, social structure, but any that's ever existed. In Leviticus, like arguably the most boring book of the Bible, very old, very ancient book of the Bible, there's this idea of Jubilee. So just to refresh us, the idea of Jubilee is, it, Jubilee would happen every seven years, and then every seventh, seventh year, so every 50th year basically, would be the Jubilee of Jubilees. And during this time, anyone that had debts, the debts would be cleared away, they would be totally forgiven. Slaves would be freed. This is like ancient humanity we're talking about, and this is like, I don't know of another thing that exists like this. It's also arguable that the Jews never actually did this, but it is as if God knew human beings are not capable of not hoarding things for themselves and doing things that are gonna put other people in bad positions, so I'm going to put in the fabric of the Jewish calendar a time to get rid of that and to put it right. So when people like, Basically, in the promised land, every family would be given a plot, like a portion of the promised land, and that would be like what your inheritance was, is you would, you would be tied to the land, right? So if you got into trouble and debt or whatever, usually where this would start is you would give your land away. Sometimes you would even work the land yourself, uh, but you wouldn't reap the benefits of it, but you would give the land away. So not only is it forgiveness of debts, but like for me and Molly, we're in debt. We, owe, we, we, owe quite, we have quite a bit of debt. If someone was to forgive my debt right now, that would be awesome. That would be like really great, I would love it. But the conditions that led us to be into debt right now would be exactly the same. So it would be great to not have that debt, but I know that I'm gonna slip right back into it because nothing else has changed. In this idea of giving, getting rid of the debts in the Jubilee year, you, the people would be put back, not only would they not owe what they owe anymore, they would be restored to their portion of the promised land. So it is putting them back in a position that they did not have anymore and restoring them in a way that gives them, hopefully, they don't have to go into debt again. And if they do, guess what? Good news, there's, Jubilee is gonna come again. And again, like I, I, I don't have a whole lot more to say about this, but at a time when like 
slavery was like normal, for there to be a thing built in to release slaves, I think is, is mind-blowing. I think all this stuff. Uh, I don't know how we do this in our current world. I know that especially most Christians, if we said we should vote like this, they would say, that's Joe Biden's socialist program. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know, I don't know what to do anymore because it seems like the kingdom of God to me. I'm not a socialist, but I'm just saying that it's different. It is different than what we have and what we see. Um, what other notes do I have here? I guess the last little thing with that bit is the idea, too, with this in the Lord's Prayer, what we're talking about is this is not something we don't have to wait every 70 years. This is something we pray on a regular basis. This is not wait for the Jubilee to forgive debts and to set people free. The kingdom of God is God is always at work setting people free, and we are, we're not waiting. We're not, I mean, in some ways we are. We're waiting for the fullness of the kingdom so that totally ends, but we are actively at work any way that we can trying to set people free. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, again, I think a lot of times when we talked about this, for a lot of people, it's easy to think about this in terms of personal sin, which I think that, that is a portion of this, but I don't think it's just like, help me not to sin anymore and be a better person. But I think in light of all the stuff we're talking about, I think part of what that's really saying is like, help us not slip back into the old way of things. There is a new way, there is a kingdom being birthed that is like, it challenges all of us. It challenges the, the world that we are born into and challenges the structures that we are born into. And it's very easy for us to slip back into the old ways. So we are asking God, deliver us from the temptation of ordering things the way that we always have and help us to order things in a new way. Help us to enter into the kingdom in a new way. And for us right now, Help us learn how to do this, because I have no idea. I can say these things and be like, oh, yeah, this is what the kingdom of God is like. I don't know how to do this in a practical way often. So help us, help us learn what does it look like for the kingdom of God to be birthed into the world and for us to take part in it. What does it look like for us to be able to challenge the world that we are in in a way that is like productive, in a way that actually makes this happen more? Give us, last week Molly brought up the idea of imagination. I think that's really important for all of us. Give us the imagination to envision a world that is different, that we don't totally understand, that we've never seen before, but that is better. Give us the imagination. Give us, help us not fall into temptation, not into evil. Let us do something different. Um, and the prayer ends, I think the prayer ends on hope. It says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And so this is something, this isn't just like well, I hope that happens someday, but this is God has, it's his kingdom, it's his power. God has the power to do it. He has started to do it. Jesus has been born. The kingdom has been birthed into the world. We talk about it all the time. We sing about it. We are looking forward to it. Sometimes it's hard to see it, um, but we do know that's going to happen. God has the power to do it. He's already started doing it. There is a man that was killed, was crucified, died, and he came back to life. That's good news for all people. Like death itself, God has done something. Death has been like dealt the finishing blow. It's not obviously done yet because we're still see death all around us all the time, but it's on the way out. So that, that's, we have that to look forward to, to hope in. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say other than those things, but 
And again, I don't have any idea how we do this. I don't know. I don't know how we do it. I have no idea. But I do think that this is what it's talking about. Like we are, we are learning. We are being delivered from the kingdom of, kingdoms of Herod and Caesar. We are being born into the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of love, peace, shalom, wholeness. Um, so I'm just I'm rambling at this point. So if anyone, I'll just say, if anyone has anything to say or talk about or questions or comments or whatever, now we can talk about it, and then we'll just go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that to me makes sense. It's like, ultimately, I can't I can't make people do anything, but I can do stuff myself. And I think it's really nice to be part of a group of people that feel the same way. We can sit here and try to do this, and other people don't like us for it. Hey, that's okay. We're just we'll keep doing it. We we believe in it, and that's all we can do. And I, like, I think. This is a prayer. We're asking God to do this stuff too, and I think that that alone is that's helpful. I really um, call to worship the prayer this week. I think we place our hope in this really this child being established in Jesus and faith. And for me, it felt like, wow, that's deep. Um, it was like an actual person who lived a certain. Decided to follow that action of faith. Uh, 
history. I think my one like caveat with that is I think it's also just recognizing that there are things that hurt people. And so like, again, we can, I think it is a, I would argue that part of the reason that we are in the position with Christianity that we are is because Christianity became baptized into the Roman Empire. Constantine came and he became, he, the story is he was in a battle and he saw a cross and he painted a cross on his shield and that's how they won the battle. And he's like, well, I'm gonna make Rome's a Christian nation now. And instead of actually like being transformed into a Christian nation, they just said, the way we've always done things is Christian now. And I'm like, well, that's the problem. So baptizing nations into Christianity, I think is always not going to work because that's counter, again, we're talking about a king coming who is a lowly little baby who's on the run for his life. He ends in a, he's in a manger where he's born. He's comes when he comes to Jerusalem, not on a big giant war horse, but a donkey that he rents from somebody. It, he's, it's the opposite. But I, I always think about, there's that Martin Luther King, I can't, I'm gonna butcher the quote, but basically talking about the idea of the Good Samaritan. And it's like, we should be, we should be engaged in helping like in that story, the least and the lowly is the person who's been on the side of the road and, and, and hurt and beat up and stolen from. But at a certain point, we have to ask, why do, why does this road keep letting people be beat up? We should do some, there should be something that doesn't allow this to happen anymore. So let's like help people, but then also recognize, oh, maybe we can like say, hey, this isn't good. Let's stop doing this. Let's put roadblocks to these things continuing to happen, I guess, which I don't know. I don't know what that, Again, I don't know what that looks like, but I agree. And I, but I also think, I guess I've, I've, I feel like I've learned like, oh yeah, we should, baptizing nations doesn't work, but if there are rules that we can put in place to not allow people to take advantage of others, that I'm never going to have the influence, I'm never going to see that person or be able to have that power anyways, whatever. You know what I'm saying, I'm just, I'm rambling.
only offices. And so, God, there's just so much to individually and together live in kingdom ways. It's going to be different, and it's going to be radically different, and it's kindness and love and acceptance. So and I think what's difficult with it is it's like counter, not even just like counterintuitive, but it's like we are not born into a thing that's set up that way. So it's like right. it's it's difficult to even figure out like oh how do we like do yeah right our way of life is not set up like to bolster those things, but you have to find ways right. around yeah. To be fair, collectively as Texans, we had an event right. last year that makes us really feel like, oh boy, we got to be prepared for that. Right. Yeah, which I, you know, I don't think that's like. But it, but yeah. The majority of the world lives it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. One, each day they go out to get what they need, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they literally pray that so that I know give me this day mm-hmm. what I need to eat because I don't have anything. So yeah, there's just a whole. There's so much. Am I crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Am I the one that's out of the flow here? Because yeah, it's hard. But, but it's better, I think. <laughs> it's good for people. It doesn't seem to be more than costly tickets, but I'm telling you the truth. What it all means. Mm-hmm. I believe it's amazing. Yeah. Tried to stop it. Yeah. He never, that's not the way of Jesus. That's not the fruit of Jesus. You can stamp Jesus 
front. You carry a Jesus flag into the Capitol after you break through the glass and almost kill people, but that's not Jesus. That's not the fruit. So I feel like we have, we have the ability now to see what has been such a popular movement fail, tragically fail, so that we can now say, that's, that is not, that's not where we're going, because that's not Jesus. So restarting, rebooting, I mean, I, mean, I, I would say that we have the opportunity to be some brave souls and say, no, that's not Jesus, that's not the Jesus I know. So if that helps with any doubt, that, that, that image sticks with me, that I don't have any doubt that Jesus is at work within us as a community to get us back on track um, to where he is and where he wants to be. Yeah, I feel like with that, really that comes down to like the idea that there's something better this isn't the way, there's something better, and we can try to model that, and I think that's, that's what the world needs. The world needs hope, and that is what hope looks like, is that there is something better. There is something better than what we've been given. There is something better, and it's through the way of Jesus. Good. Sure, I'll, uh, might as well do the Lord's Prayer. And I'm, I'm going to say this, uh, that I learned this as a child in Lutheran school, so the way I have it memorized is the old-fashioned way. So feel free to say it with me if you want, but it's probably gonna be maybe, I don't know. We might, the problem with like not having it up there is we're all gonna have maybe a slightly different way that we do it. So I'll just go ahead and lead us through it um, and hopefully not forget the part, but I, I just did it earlier, so hopefully I should do it again. Um, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. 